for listening to Hope Central's latest message. You can learn more about Hope Central or find more messages at hopecentral.org.au. my Bible there, Ash, because I just feel like I need that kind of spiritual support. <laughs> Thank you. One time we were, Jody and I were at a conference and the, the preacher walked up to the stage and he had somebody else carry his Bible for him. And Jody just, Jody, my wife just looked over at me and she said, if you ever do that, I am going to punch you right in the throat. You just, sometimes you need a good wife to just drop you back down to reality, right? If I was any kind of vanity about that moment, oh, one day I'll be super important. She's just like, no, remember who you are. <laughs> Praise God for who we are. Hey, today and this month, we're talking under the theme of take it easy. And what we're going to be doing is talking about how this month, we've been talking about how we become unburdened, guilt, shame, isolation, And today we're going to be talking about how we become unburdened from the the sense that we have in us that we need to work for God's approval. Um, We're going to be looking at this scripture, which you probably know fairly well, but if you don't mind, we're just going to put the brakes on in a few places of it, and then we'll seek to understand it in maybe a way that you haven't thought of it before. So what happened is Jesus says this in Matthew 11, 28 to 30. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is a a really, really important scripture. In fact, it's a declaration. Jesus Christ has now laid himself out to be the world's burden carer. He, he, before that, he was that, but he declares himself, I am now the, the burden carrier of the entire world, and spiritually he becomes that. In fact, all burdens, all of the work of being perfect is now laid upon Christ, and now he must go to the cross. But there's something in here that I think a lot of people don't really pay attention to, and let me tell a little story before I get into it. Um, recently, uh, Jody and I take care of our granddaughter on, on Mondays, and um, one of the things she likes to do is, is to kind of go to Bunnings and, I don't know, maybe I'm just pretending that she likes that. But anyway, I think she likes it. Sometimes we go to landscape supplies and she likes to see the big diggers load things in the trailer. So we were, we were taking her home. We thought, well, why don't we put the trailer on and go there on the way home because that will be entertaining for us. So I went out and I hooked up the empty trailer to the truck and put the safety changers on it and drove and went to the landscaping place and got out and we chose these big stones that, well, like little, like giant stones, loaded pile of in. That's all exciting. And so we're driving along to her place. And to get to her place, we have to go over a railway track. And when we hit the railway track, that's when I realized I hadn't hooked the trailer properly to the back of the car. Um, I, I don't know. Like I, 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 you just have those brain fades, right? But I did the safety chains. So it didn't go careening off anywhere. It just hung low and you hear this scrape, you know, thinking, okay, thank you. Uh, So I quickly pulled over to the side and I was out. Now, of course, I've got a fully loaded trailer that I have to hook back up to the car and I can't get the little trailer jack on it because it's too low. And I'm like, what do I do? So I had to get the jack out of my my truck and 
put it underneath the trailer and check the thing up. And of course, I didn't do it right, so it kind of fell off. And I was like, oh, because I'm like, how do I get, now that it's on a jack, how do I move the thing? So I try to move it and I fell off the jack. Anyway, as I was busily doing all of these things and, and it was, you know, I could figure it out. I wasn't that worried. Somebody pulled up and they said, can I give you a hand? Do you know how I was was feeling? I was feeling ashamed that I didn't get it done properly in the first place. I didn't want to have to explain myself to any nosy, nosy, nosy poker (laughs) who's come by in their superior, I know how to hook up a trailer attitude. (laughs) So I didn't even look up. I was like, no, no, I got it. No, no problem. All right, they said, and they drove off. And later I thought, what a rude jerk you are. Somebody actually pulls over to help, and you don't even acknowledge them. And then I thought, if, if Jesus Christ had been pulled up in that ute, that other truck right then, and, I, and he said, can I give you a hand? And I said, I got it. I think we got what the scripture's about. Because everybody thinks they got it. And you don't even look up. So I want to talk about the fact that Jesus Christ showed up on the planet and said, let me help you with that. Let me carry that. And we need to listen to that. Because that is where spiritual life begins. When Christ is your burden carrier. And that you are not carrying it anymore. Because you've laid it on him. Now, there's lots of things in the scriptures that reveal that Jesus is very different from every other religious teacher who's come before. When Jesus is talking about the Jewish leaders of his time, he said this about him. He said, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do, because they preach, but they don't practice. Now, listen to what he says about them. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. Now, contrast that to what Jesus has just said. He rocks up and he says, I'm not laying any burden on you whatsoever. I'm asking to take your burden and have it myself. And he says, every other religious leader in the world is the reverse. They come to you with heavy burdens that you need to bear, tie them up, and tie them to you, and then you are left to carry the burden. But they don't lift a finger to help you. They just lay it on you. Can I just say this? Jesus is the only spiritual leader in history who has come to the world and said, I want to carry the burden. Everyone else has a burden for you. But it's not just religious things, and it's not just religious teachers. I want to tell you that everybody has a standard for you to carry. It doesn't matter if you're a believer in God. You can be a complete atheist. You live to a standard. You bear a burden. So when the book of Acts, when they're trying to figure out how Christians are supposed to live, 
the, the apostles recognize that the miraculous change in their lives is actually a miracle. It's not something that they've done themselves. And so they say, now then, for why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? That's just one giant admission, isn't it? Can you imagine if the religious leaders, I don't know, like, uh, and I'm not trying to pick on any religious group, but whoever's chief of the Buddhists right now got up and said, all right, we couldn't do it. <laughs> we haven't found enlightenment. Or the leader of the Muslim world got up and said, yep, we haven't been able to follow the Quran." Like, imagine if somebody, these guys, like, they come out and go, well, we could never do it, so why should we ask anyone else to? But we believe that they will be saved through the grace of our Lord Jesus. Just that We will be saved just as they will. And all the assembly fell silent. And they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the disciples. And see, can I just draw your attention to this fact? That when we stop working, what we're doing is we're believing in God's ability to work. That if you're saying, I want to be a better person, but you're trying to work it out yourself, it's all on you. But if you believe in a miracle, a miracle that God could change you to be a better person, a miracle that God could do something that you can't do yourself. You see, what I'm saying is once you stop working, you open the door for God's grace to abound and for God to do what you could never accomplish because you've placed your faith in God and not in yourself. But we all work. How much of your sense of goodness comes from what you do? If you get to the end of the day and you're kind of looking yourself in the mirror about whether or not you lived a good life that day, how much of it is about what you did? How much of your sense of worth then comes from what you do? I am a good person because I lived a good life. Or how much of your sense of self comes from what you do? You see, the reality is we are what we do. We say we are what we do. We are got an association from what we do. So whatever we do becomes the thing that we are. If you say that you're an environmentalist, then it is not okay for you to pollute. Does that make sense? Because if you're polluting, you're not very environmental. You're just mental. Are you allowed to say that? I don't know. So, it, it, you know, it, it just is wrong. You know, recently I heard some lady, she's an environmentalist, save the planet kind of thing, and somebody said, and she was like, you should stop flying in jets. And they're like, oh, did you fly in a jet? And she's like, oh, yeah, I went to Fiji. And then they're all like, ha, ha, you're a hypocrite. Whatever standard, please, ha, ha, you're all hypocrites. So if you're an environmental, you've got to do the job. Like, it's not okay for the new king to say he cares about the world being green, if his face isn't a frog too, he has to care because if he doesn't care, he's a polluter. He's the opposition. He's not what he says he is. There's a standard. If you are a person that advocates for human rights and wants to see changes so that nobody gets tortured, nobody gets unfairness, and it's a just world, then you have to be just. Does that not make sense? If you if you say you are that, then that is what you must do. And there's a standard for that. So if you ever bring injustice to the world, you are a hypocrite to your own cause. You are not what you say you are. You must work. And so the same thing goes for every leader that we've ever heard. Now, we see some that are better at it. We see somebody like Martin Luther King Jr. And he's a campaigner for what is just in the world. And he fights for it. 
but he too does not meet the full standard. And then even people like Gandhi, who was a great leader and a reformer in India, who didn't, he did, wasn't greedy for gain. He didn't take people's money. He, he, you know, you can tell, he didn't eat a lot. He spent a lot of time at the spinning wheel doing simple things. But even his life was not pure. But we know to judge based on what they say about themselves. And so if you are a singer, you must sing. If you are Harry Styles, you must style. <laughs> if you are Dwayne the Rock Johnson, you have got to be the rock. If you are ever not Rocky, you are not Dwayne. You lose your identity. All of these people are known. In fact, every person is known by what they do. And the minute they're not those things... If Einstein is not E equals MC squared, if he is not one of the fathers of physics, if he is not the person that figures out the equation, then he is not the scientist. And if you are Elon Musk, you must, musk. <laughs> must, musk. What I'm trying to say is, it doesn't matter what standard you measure. There is standards to measure. Everything is based on works. So if you're president of the United States, you are being rated about how presidential you are to the United States. And let me tell you, nobody's getting a good score. Not Obama, not Trump, not Biden. They're all chasing the bottom. Because as people look around and go, how good of a job are you at being president? They all say, you are not good enough. So Isaiah says this. Here's the focus of my message today. The scripture, which I believe is one almost always misinterpreted. He says in Isaiah 28, for it is precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. For by people of strange lips and with foreign tongues, the Lord will speak to this people to whom he has said, this is rest. Give rest to the weary. And this is repose. Yet they would not hear. And the word of the Lord will be to them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a letter, that they may go and fall backwards and be broken and snared and taken. You know, what, one of the things that I find is that oftentimes even Christian leaders take this passage precept upon precept and they use it like they're helping you. Oh, here's how you want to live a good life? Well, here's the precept. Here's the rule. You just follow this and then do that and do this and then bang, bang, presto, you're perfect. You'll get it right if you do this and then do that and do this and do that, then you'll make it. And they use it. Even this week, we're watching in the, in the MTS training. A preacher was talking about using the word of God and he said it's precept upon precept. I want to show you that that's not what he's saying here. He's saying that's the way to get broken. So if you follow karma, if you follow Dharma, if you follow Torah, if you follow Karan, if you follow the Tao or the Tao, if you follow trying to create your own image, if you are trying to put in your own effort, if it is based on work, then it is simply rules on rules, line on line. Um, you guys know that we haven't been around for a little bit because uh, Jody and I had three weeks off and to celebrate our 30th anniversary. Congratulations, Jody. Uh, what a a person of grace she is. 
Anyway, so we went to Bali um, uh, and had a holiday. Amazing. Fantastic. Anyway. So I uh, hopped in the car with a taxi driver, and it's in, in Bali, a lot of the taxi drivers are Hindu, a lot of people in Bali are Hindu. So we're driving along, and I'm hoping to engage him in a conversation about his Hindu faith, and uh, surely he brings it up, and uh, so we start talking, and he said, what do you, um, I said, I'm Christian, um, Christian pastor, and we talked about, he didn't know what that was, we got there eventually, and then we're back and forth, and then he made the rank declaration you hear everywhere, uh, Hinduism, Christianity, it's all the same. Uh, you know, kind of ready for it. He said, it's all the same, it's all about, and then he said, it's all about being good. I'm like, oh, is it? Okay. So anyway, he seemed to want to get quickly off the topic again, so I left it. We had a long way to go anyway, so I was going to be able to turn him back around to that conversation a little bit later. So I let him swing around, and we got to know each other's families and life stories, and showed me pictures of his kids, and I showed pictures of mine, and we were just being friendly and stuff like that. And then by the day the guards had come down, he was happy to move past the superficial and have a real chat, and he said... Because it's all about karma. Now, if you don't know the Hindu faith and the Buddhist faith, they both believe in karmic principles, which means that you will receive whatever you get. In this life or next life, if you believe in reincarnation, if you're bad this life, you'll get a worse next life. You know, you might start off as a camel, and then later on you'll be the gnat. I don't know. But, so we were talking about that, and he said, said, you know, because it's all about karma, you believe in karma, don't you? And I said, no, absolutely not. And he said, what? He said, I said, karma's broken. Karma doesn't work. Have you noticed that? He said, what are you talking about? I said, well, you just had a big pandemic here, and bad people got good things, and good people got bad things. So is karma working or not? He said, oh, uh. <laughs> so we were, we were going there. That was good. I had a fishing on the lash. He said, I don't believe in karma. He said, what? He said, he said, Christians believe in karma. And I said, no, Christians don't believe in karma. Christians believe in the opposite of karma. He said, what do you mean? I said, we believe that bad people are given good things from God. That's the opposite of karma. We are bad, but God gives us his love. And he's like, it was, it was fantastic. Because we have those, you know, those moments where you just, you're, you're now worried about his driving capacity <laughs> while he's having deep thoughts. You know, because he's just like, ah. And so we dug around that a little bit, and I just said to him, listen, all the people I know are all trying to work for something. It doesn't matter if you're Buddhist or Islam or if you believe in uh, Chinese spiritualism, the Tao and the Tao, Indian with the Dharma. It's all about following this rule. And if you follow the rule right, you'll get good things. And I said, but Christians don't believe that. You see, Isaiah says, the word of the Lord will be to them. Precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they may go and fall backwards and be broken and snared and taken. You see, following the rule book makes you broken by the rule book. It crushes you. It doesn't help you. The burden is what mows you over, not helps you. So I was thinking about that I'll just put that back for a sec. I was thinking about how this. People today are full of their own sense of, I'm amazing, look at me. Please like me. And at the same time, they're equally full of that feeling of, I'm not good enough. Like, be honest with yourself. You ever feel not good enough? 
Like you didn't, you know, you weren't good enough this, weren't good enough that. Like, and even if you have a great day, you know, like seriously, I'm preaching this sermon right now and about 15 minutes from now, I'm going to be regretting all of the dumb things I said. Because <laughs> I'll just be like, it was, some people go, oh, it was an amazing sermon. I'll be like, well, there was that little tiny piece. Right now, Candace is reviewing the worship that she just led us, and she's going, yes, there was that little... Because isn't it weird that we're just always trying to find that, and we never feel good enough. And the world is in a pandemic of I'm not good enough. So I was Googling this, not good enough, and there was these lyrics to the song, which I thought are fantastic. This is from uh, Citizen Soldier. Sick of coming undone, letting down everyone... Mediocre at best, maybe better off dead. Am I a failure from birth? Is misery what I deserve? Am I just so void of love that I am never good, never good enough? Do you know, your close friends think this about themselves. And I'll tell you what, you probably do too. Maybe you're having a good day and you're like, no, 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 I'm doing great. But there are times where you feel like, I'm just not good enough. Am I better off dead? And people who do not know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ are being crushed by their own rules. So what if there was a list that defined perfection? Does your heart have a list that defines a perfect you? What if this list of perfect is something that you can never reach? You know, there is a list in the Bible. It's called the commandments. The list was given to us by Moses so that we knew that we fell short. But the list of human perfection is there. And in Romans, he summarizes it and he says, there is no one righteous. No, not one. All the list did was measure you and you came up short. Remember, I don't know if you've ever been, we went to one, one year when our kids were little, we went to Disneyland, and on Disneyland there was all these rides that were like super exciting, and then the lame ones with like a Mickey Mouse on it. You know, well, like, my, like Charlotte's not an adventurous type, but Lily's like, let's light it on fire, <laughs> especially at that age. And you could see her face when she would walk up to the cool rides, and the, you have to be this high to ride the ride, and she always came up short. She, was, she didn't make the stature. And let me tell you, the stature for righteousness is far above your head. And I don't care if it's a standard for righteousness that you wrote yourself on your heart, the community wrote on your heart, your friends wrote on your heart, your group wrote on your heart, but there is a written standard on your heart and you do not measure up. See, Romans 3.20 says, it's by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. The whole point is to recognize that you're not tall enough. That's the whole thing. That's why the standard neck to the ride is to let you know you're not tall enough. So, Isaiah 28, he says, this people whom he has said, this is rest, give rest to the weary, this is repose, and they would not hear. You see, the call always is this. You simply need to hear. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's what Jesus is calling out to every person right now. Right now, he's calling it out to you. Come to me. 
Come, come now, come, come to me. Come, you are heavy laden. I know it. I can see the pack on your back. Come, come and I will give you rest. Come, please, let me. I am supernatural. I have more power and authority than any other being in the universe. I can take away the burden. I can do this. Come to me. Don't go somewhere else. Don't go to yourself. Come to me. I can carry it. But do you hear? You see, what's the line before this? Well, Jesus says, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, because such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son, knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone whom the Son chooses to reveal him. You see, we are, Jesus said, we are absolutely dependent on this. You will not know me unless I help you know me. Because it's not about being smart. It's not about having it all together. It's not about reading the right book. It's about do you know who Jesus is? And do you know who tells you who Jesus is? Jesus tells you who Jesus is. And the Father makes him known to you. He wants you to know everything about him. Understand what he's like. To really get that he is this God who loves you that much, so that you know him. Because if you know him, then you will really be unburdened. And the Father wants you to know the Son. But it doesn't require you to be smart. It requires you to be open, listening. Romans chapter 3 says, there is a righteousness from God that's been manifested apart from that law, that standard in your heart. And although that law, and those prophets, they bear witness to it, The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. There's no distinction because all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. It's always been this way. Even the law points to it. Even the prophets point to it. They're pointing to Jesus saying, Jesus can give you completion of the list perfection as a gift. Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son. He says this, as Jesus tells the story, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that's coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into the far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, the severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who had sent him into his field to feed his pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. I love how Jesus sets up a story, right? He just, he's straight into it. Like he wants to make the drug dealer character come right out. He's just, you know, like sometimes you watch a modern movie, you're not sure if that person's good, not sure if he's bad. Well, Jesus just lays it right out there. This guy was terrible. He takes half of his father's wealth and he just goes and blows it. Like on every kind of thing that you can't imagine, you don't want to think about. It was a horrible life. And then immediately he runs out of cash and, he has, and then there's a famine and he's like starving and he's like, I just need to get anything. I want to eat the stuff, the food the pigs are getting. Things are bad. 
And Jesus is telling this because we're not supposed to like the guy. Because every Jewish father and every Jewish mother knows, if you did that, if you took all of your dad's money and you blew it on prostitutes, don't you come home. You know, you, some of you guys are from, uh, you know, you've got Middle Eastern cultures, Italians, Greeks, Lebanese. You don't waste the papa's money, right? You embarrass your dad that bad, there is a smack waiting for you. Not love. And Jesus says that's exactly how you feel because you feel like he's earned it. But when he comes back, it says, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough to bread But I perish here in hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Fathers, I have sinned against you and heaven before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring him quickly, the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, shoes on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's eat, celebrate, Woohoo! This is my son who's dead, he's alive. He was lost, he's found. They began to celebrate. And the son stood there in confused bewilderment because the son came with a resume for a job. Dad, I can feed animals. I'm not worthy to be your son anymore. I will work for my place in the house. And I will spend every day earning my keep. Now, you who are Christians, who've put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, can you just pay close attention to me? If you're not a Christian, just ignore me like, like you might want to already. I don't know. I don't know. That's kind of a really exclusive thing to say. Probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Once again, back to the attention thing. Are you working for your place in the household? Or are you a son? Now, don't get hung up on the gender because you're, if you're a woman, you're being restored to the highest place in the family. If you're a guy, don't worry. You've got to become a bride of Christ. So, okay? okay. Be prepared. We're gender inclusive here, all right? He's bringing them all in, all to the stature of his son. You see, I, I just know too many Christians who are constantly working because they don't feel good enough. And you feel condemned and you feel ashamed and you feel burdened. It's like you are there with your trailer and you have got this sense of pride and this sense of self-worth and you are trying to do it yourself and Jesus pulls up to let me carry the load and you go, no, I've got it. I'm supposed to got it, aren't I? But you are not supposed to got it. You're supposed to let him get it. He's supposed to be the one carrying it. Not you. You are supposed to become a son. You're supposed to become one of his family. Because that is a different kind of identity. It's the identity that you can never lose. It's the identity of sonship. And you never have to work for that standard. You just have it. It's a gift. And so 
the scriptures say that he came to his own, his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You have to become a child, fully. Not somebody who's earning your place in the family, not someone who's working for things, not people who are living by a standard, but people who are living in a relationship. People who are loved by God, who have your burdens carried by God, a loving God, who does miracles and transforms us, not because we're good, but because He's good. Because He wants to show His love to people who aren't worthy of love, because that's what love means. And he wants to give you freedom from your burden of work. Whatever their standard is, whatever you can't reach, the thing that you say in your head, I'm not good enough, Jesus wants to take that burden upon himself, take it to the cross, and eliminate it forever. Father, today, I know, Lord, that I'm not a very good preacher, but your word is fantastic. So I pray, Lord, that you would take these words that I've spoken and you would embed them in every person's heart who has been listening. Lord, I pray that every person that is here or watching online, that they would hear your voice saying, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. That, Lord, you would give us ears to hear. Lord, because you said... It has to be revealed to us. It has to be made knowable to us. It's not a matter of how good we are or how smart we are, but it's about you talking to us in a way that our hearts hear and understand. So I'm praying, Lord Jesus, that you open up our spirits to know what you are speaking to us right now. And Lord, I pray that you would reveal to people in their hearts the way that they have been living burdened, living under the weight, under the load, never feeling good enough. Lord, whatever the standard is, Lord, I pray that you would help people to realize that they have not fully embraced you. They have not understood you, that you want to carry all of the weight. If you feel a sense that you're not good enough, a lingering sense of not being worthy, of not being lovely, of feeling panicky, that it's kind of all dependent upon you, like you've got this performance anxiety. If you're feeling that pressure in that way, can I ask you now to unburden yourself upon Jesus? He is the only one who can carry your load. Why don't you give it to him now? Give him all of your performance stuff, all of the stuff that you do to feel better about yourself, all the things about your heart that you feel ashamed of, all of the things that you feel like if you were ever found out, you would be solely embarrassed. Give that to him right now. I pray that you would just right now open up your spirit and let Jesus carry your load. Unhook that trailer of your life and hook it to him. And just let Jesus carry it. And if you've never given or surrendered your life to Jesus before, now's the moment. He's the Savior. Let Him save you. Let Him forgive you. Let Him become the one that guides your life, leads your life, brings the good things out in you. Just say, Lord Jesus, I surrender myself to you right now. I believe that you are the one that has come to carry my load. 
You are the one that has the gift of eternal life. And so, Jesus, I welcome you as my Lord and my Savior. And I ask you to fill me with the gift of your Holy Spirit and do a miracle in me. Lord, I thank you that you have made me a son of God. Just want you to just have that sense in your heart right now, just as we're praying. Open up your spirit and let the Holy Spirit reveal to you your place with the Father. That you are a beloved son, a welcome child. That you don't have to work now for anything. You just get to enjoy his goodness in freedom. Lord, give us today, I pray, a revelation that we have become your welcome children. Sons that you will never reject. Children with an inheritance that you want to dwell in and live in and bring glory to your son through. We pray for this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.